Hello, scorekeepers. <laughs> uh, it's your old pal Rocky here at the top of the show. And uh, welcome to episode 20 of The Score. Um, and happy Monday. Um, I hope everyone is rested and rejuvenated after what um, I can only imagine was a very, very busy week um, for everyone, whether you were traveling or getting together with family or friends or just spending some much needed quality time with yourself, you know, doing all those things that we never feel like we have time to in order to take care of ourselves. Um, but, you know, whether you celebrate, uh, if you celebrate Thanksgiving, rather, um, I hope you had a happy one. Um, I hope you had a blessed Native American Heritage Day. And I hope everyone is enjoying this beautiful Sagittarius season. I know that Paige and I are. <laughs> um, so if you listen to our last show, uh, you know that we have decided to take the month of December off. But it is not December. It is uh, November 29th today. Uh, so we decided to do something a little bit different today. Um, we were blessed um, a few weeks ago to um, be joined by the lovely Tim plus Tom, um, two incredible fashion designers here in uh, the Twin Cities um, who have founded uh, something called the Black Hearts Ball, um, which is an incredible um festival of fashion and music um really you know doing their best to um bring a diverse and inclusive um group of designers together to showcase all of the incredible um talent that is on display here uh in the twin cities um, and we at Minnesota Opera have been lucky to partner with them for the last few years. So, you know, talking about that fusion between uh, music and opera and fashion and the way that, you know, different disciplines can inspire each other. So um, we had a really cool um, conversation with them and, you know, the way that um, that opera has influenced them and just a great conversation about um, Black Hearts Ball and their inclusive philosophy behind it. And so I hope you all, oh, oh, and and they were, you know, alums of Project Runway, so a little bit of tea about Tim Gunn, just a little bit. Um, <laughs> so um, I hope you all um, stay tuned and enjoy this interview with Tim plus Tom, and I will see you on the other side. Enjoy. The score where we are ready to kick off our interview portion. And today 
we're switching it up. We're doing something different. We're getting real interdisciplinary with Ooh, it. Ooh, okay. Yeah, like that, that vocab word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so many disciplines. Yes. <laughs> so today we have Tim plus Tom. Yay. Yes, Tim plus Tom. They are a community forward fashion brand focused on inclusion, growth, and representation. And they're based here in the Twin Cities. We've actually worked with Tim plus Tom before and Minnesota Opera has, so we'll get further into that after we introduce them. Uh, the Navarro brothers, yes, their brothers are first generation Americans and self-taught fashion designers. While Tim is known for his appearance on Project Runway season 13, Tom has set records and received accolades for producing events such as Italian Style, a partnership with Mia, the Minneapolis Institute of Art, and Lark, uh, voted Best Fashion Show in 2015's Best of List. In addition to showing at New York Fashion Week, they're best known for their pillar event, Black Hearts Ball. Both Tom and Tim have made it their mission to use their notoriety and provide opportunity for fellow creatives, which I guess is kind of how we got together also by trying to um, work together through through Black Hearts Ball. That's really where we, where we intersect. Um, before we get more into the details, how did you first, what was your first opera experience like? Because I think y'all have such a cool story for how you even, <laughs> uh, how your first experience went. It was oh, I can't a wait super for cool this. one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, um, we, we got the opportunity to go to, I believe, I, I think it was Madam Butterfly. And um, yeah. it was, <laughs> M Butter, excuse me, M Butterfly. Um, right, yeah, yeah, and um, the like we had never really been to an opera or like really any like big theater event, so we weren't even sure how to dress or what to do. So, we like, or what we thought was like the best, you know, expression of ourselves, and then um, we're sitting there in like these, th these seats after like or like before the lights go down like everybody's hustling and getting in there and like we're overhearing like these conversations of like people like oh you know this blouse costs like four hundred dollars or that you know like uh, and like kind of like side-eyeing and talking about other people's outfits but then like we were also um because we the, the reason we got to go to this experience was because we participated in a fashion event that was like honoring um, M Butterfly. So we got to like design a like a one look each inspired by how that uh, specific opera made us feel or like how we interpreted it. It was really fun. Yeah, I think um, what was really great about it is, yeah, even though there were you know, some people giving <laughs> sort of side eye and whatnot, overall, our experience was really welcoming. Um, the staff and everybody there at the opera was um, just really, really welcoming. And they kind of noticed that we 
felt out of place. I was gonna say looked out of place, but it is more that we had a look on our faces of like, what do we do? <laughs> and every, everybody was just really, really kind and um just yeah, overall welcoming. And it was such a wonderful first experience for us. We're like, this is an opportunity that we don't get, especially growing up where we did and the way we did we didn't really it's not that it wasn't um an option for us to go to the opera it just wasn't something that was even a suggestion yeah it wasn't sold to us where we're from Mm -hmm. southern minnesota rochester specifically it's like the big city surrounded by rural cities you know rural towns I mean, and so <laughs> Rochester was a big city. Yeah, like and, I did. I did air quotes. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like they. I feel like everybody kind of like made assumptions. It was like they only promoted to the people that they knew were going to attend. So it mm-hmm. it didn't hit schools. It didn't. You know, it didn't hit like elementary schools. It didn't hit our high school. It wasn't a thing unless you were like a theater enthusiast, you know, and I honestly didn't realize like opera was so close to like it was so accessible growing up until we were we were introduced to Minnesota opera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so basically with with that history, just finally being able to go in and experience it. I I guess was a little apprehensive expecting expecting it to be you know just like not a place for me and it turned out to be the complete opposite everybody wanted to make sure that you know we were there and that we were having a good time and that we you know kind of got the full experience and actually the women that were sitting next to us that were kind of talking smack about everybody on <laughs> <laughs> complimented us on our outfits and were really excited to see us there you know yeah, I think he kind of stood up a little bit you yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> well that's awesome I'm so glad you all had that experience like shout out to patron services and those cool ladies <laughs> on the audience <laughs> those shady ladies yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was also part of the entertainment right like, right. <laughs> like oh these rich people are just like us. <laughs> <laughs> well, so one thing I'm curious about, like, let's take it back, 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 back to Rochester. <laughs> and so growing up in Rochester, you know, two brown kids, how did you all get into fashion? Well, um, so fashion, I guess, has always been kind of a part of our lives. Not so much fashion specifically, but our grandfather was a tailor. Um, our our mom did all of the sewing, and our sister, I mean, she was a cheerleader in the eighties. <laughs> you know, so nineties. Sorry, late eighties, early nineties. Um, and so, like, it just kind of was around, mm-hmm. and it was something that artistically we kind of picked up on. We we're more into drawing and um, that sort of creative expression. And it just sort of evolved into 
making clothes and fashion. Yeah, I think what we realized inadvertently was, well, more so through our sister and our mom um, was like dress, like dress so you won't be a target kind of like they knew how to dress themselves they didn't have to abide by like what was on trend although my sister was a very trendy gal um our sister was a very trendy gal um but they they just knew how to look impressive you know mm-hmm. they always were remembered not because of like their their beauty or you know like how they port I, I can't I don't want to say how they portrayed themselves but they always left like whoever they interacted with like thinking very confidently of them mm-hmm. and that was kind of something that we saw was like part of their like whole like armoring up suiting up for the day you know like doing their hair getting their makeup right you know picking the right outfit for what they were going to experience for the day and i just remember like most times because our sister would get up before us and get ready that i would just be able to like sit in like her doorway and watch her get ready you know like do her hair in the mirror and just like hang out and talk and i just remembered loving that experience and kind of like carried that into like for me, I carried that into how I prepared for my day. It was like, you know, this is the step. What What is your suit of armor for today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, growing up, we had um, we had a lot of influences as far as like fashion goes. And again, just echoing Tim, it wasn't necessarily about fashion itself, but it was how um, clothing and how fashion was used to um, express themselves and um, kind of move through the world. And we had this really great neighbor um, who would pay us uh, to draw, to make designs for uh, her daughter's Barbies. Um, (laughs) And so we would just like always be drawing. And I think it was just her way of helping uh you know cultivate our creativity because you know our our neighborhood our dad um it wasn't a very like artsy area or anything (laughs) and a lot at that time a lot of people didn't really understand um creativity I don't know how to say that better but um they just didn't know how to nourish it and Mm -hmm. she did a really awesome job of just kind of stepping in and recognizing it in us and creating an opportunity for us yeah yeah i would definitely say that like our mom did that as well like we didn't know how to draw she didn't know how to draw so she kind of taught herself how to teach us how to draw yeah and then <laughs> like that's as beautiful a result, yeah it was really great like i remember one of the first times realizing like she was actually showing me how to draw by tracing something and i was like mom you're tracing She's like, well, you get the muscle memory, you're drawing. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Got it. <laughs> Logic. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So then we, you know, that's how I started drawing. And um, yeah. that's actually how we started sewing too. Um, she 
she I mean she knew how to sew and everything but our grandfather was a tailor her mm-hmm. her dad mm-hmm. and so all of and I feel like that was kind of like a tradition or like something that was like very prevalent in like the 60s 70s like anybody who was like starting a family had that knowledge like especially mothers or women had that ability to like sew and make their own dress darn their own clothes like do all of that i think that's something that kind of has fallen on the wayside for um the american culture like on the whole but like in a good way because it was very gender specific but now i wish that it was like a trade that was like still passed along whether or not it like gender aside (laughs) you know like i wish everybody had that skill to to be able to sew to mend you know repair something that they like just because it's such it just in our daily lives it's just it's something that just is a a godsend like it's like oh man i you know there's a hole in my jeans my favorite jeans (laughs) you know like (laughs) patch it up or fix that seam and it looks all brand new but um, backtracking to off of my tangent, like our mom was like, in order to be good at anything, you have to be able to do it fundamentally first. So rather than teaching us how to use a, motion, a sewing machine right out the gate, she was like, you guys need to like, our job in the family, in the household was like patching holes like sewing up holes mm. and socks yeah darning socks you know patching jeans mm-hmm. <laughs> we we did that by hand and then once we perfected that then we could use the sewing machine yeah so we didn't actually use the sewing machine for the first time until we were about 13 well i actually didn't i had never used a sewing machine until i was 22 yeah um, oh, wow. yeah i did everything by hand tom actually taught me yeah how to use a sewing <laughs> <Right>. machine <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i had like i guess i would did like the whole mac like quick run a project through but mm-hmm. not actually using it well you got further than me i'm still using a needle and thread to put together a hole in my uh i have this sweater from h&m that i bought in like 2003 that i refuse to let go of because i love it so much <laughs> I have those. <laughs> if you need a hand, if you, if you if ever get stuff for you, let me know. I'll help you out. All right. All right. I might take you up on that. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> so, hello, everybody. Um, I have two quick questions for you. Um, the first one is just what is, where does each of you fall in the sort of family lineup? So, we're both the youngest of five. We're um, twins. We're twins. Oh, how embarrassing! I did <laughs> no, not, no, no, did not realize that, no. and it's shameful because my sisters are identical twins. So I think of myself as being able to pick twins out. Um, I'll blame <laughs> I'll blame Zoom <laughs> more than anything else. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Now that you were saying when we were thirteen, I was yeah. just trying to make sense of that. And then the second question is a little bit more content-based. I love your work and I love how you've been talking about your work. It's really cool. I hope I'm famous enough one day to have a reason to ask you to 
make me something um, <laughs> as it is right now would just be a bathrobe since I never go anywhere. <laughs> um, but you have um, this line about your work representing inclusion, growth, and representation, which is literally how we talk about the work that we do on our impact team. So could you say a little bit about how that shows up in the fashion realm for you? Um, so what we, a lot of the collections that we do have kind, kind of this base in non-binary mentality. Um, everything we do, we try to make so it is something that can sort of seamlessly flow into a person's closet and if you need it to be more masculine or man uh feminine we it's it's all about tailoring you know mm -hmm. so um we try to use the same lines and same theory for all of our garments and we also try to sort of bend the rules as as you you know as, as one could say, like, so in some cases using different, like, seaming in a jacket for a man uh, that would be used for a woman, you know, it, small things like that, subtle changes and subtle um, differences that actually create more options and more opportunity for that garment to sort of spread um, sort of float across both lines yeah i mean like from a personal uh point of view tom has always been like a very organic designer he's always come up with everything kind of just like he hasn't ever needed patterns although he can make patterns and uses them whereas i've been very like analytical like this has to, you know, this line here and that, you know, like men's suiting is very like, just like, it's like a safe space for me. <laughs> like I just, <laughs> I, I, like all of these rules and all of these boundaries, I can be so creative, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, um, and so like, that's how we kind of like, when we realized that he has that skill set and I have this skill set, we blended those together and we realized like, we're two short round people <laughs> you know like the way that things are made especially in like like a european cut is not made for us mm -hmm. it looks mm -hmm. good and, you know everybody wants to look good in it but like we can't abide by that rule <laughs> you know <laughs> so like putting a princess seam here or doing like a high-waisted such and such there you know, it's like, oh, wow, like, not only do I look and feel confident in what I'm wearing, nobody else, like, the naked eye doesn't know that I'm not wearing a traditional men's item, you know, they're just, they see me who identifies as a man wearing an outfit that looks good, and they're either asking themselves, where can I get that, or you know like can why, i pull that off yeah yeah like why is he wearing that? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know and it's just we realized like at that moment when we were just kind of creating for ourselves just to go attend events and represent ourselves like we need to focus on this more as like our like 
as our main influence mm -hmm. than trying to like appease people that we don't know. Yeah, because for a lot of times designers specifically in Minnesota can get stuck um, sort of uh, designing for a very commercial box. And um, one thing that we wanted to do with our collection is really sort of not necessarily think outside of the box, but just re represent who Minnesotans are and who, well, ultimately who we are mm -hmm. specifically. But um, I feel like Tim and I are a decent representation of what Minnesota creatives are you know are we're, we're eclectic there's no one version of you know mm -hmm. of us we didn't we didn't have traditional training to like we didn't go to school we didn't learn all of those like the rules that go along like you know like you have to do it by this and this and this you know we thought we were inventing stitches and we're like oh that's a french sleeve just <laughs> <laughs> it's like our approach is really like it's less refined it's very organic and as a result we also didn't have that like built-in community and so being finding our point of view expressing it and making sure our voice was heard we kind of had to force ourselves like there's not room at a table okay we're gonna bring a tv tray and put it right at the end and then we'll sit here <laughs> you know and you guys will pay attention to us because we're creating a ruckus and i feel like that kind of is how like just minnesota creatives are in general like it's like we mm -hmm. one of the there's a designer that started out locally her label is form over function and i feel like that really is a good like just like old blanket statement for Minnesota creatives. Cause it's like, we are in this like melting pot of just like so many different creative avenues and people aren't just trying to do it for themselves. They're trying to like create space for other people inadvertently, you know, whether or not they're doing it intentionally. And um, we, I feel just like, through our designs have been able to embody that and kind of roll with the growth of Minnesota. Um, yeah. That's um, really awesome. I'm getting super excited about this bathrobe. Can I ask a, <laughs> a, a quick follow-up? How does this um, inform the models that you select and maybe how you seek to have your work photographed? This idea about being really inclusive um, and, and really making sure that the function is considered along with everything else, if I may. Well, so we've had to kind of, that's something that we're, that we're always working towards. Um, it originally started with just picking models of color. Mm -hmm. We were the first runway to, full, to have a full collection, or excuse me, one full cast of all people of color. Oh, wow. You know, and like that was like in 2012, which was like yeah. unheard and of. I, we're talking specifically in the shows that we were involved in mm -hmm. that barely mean like ever in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. um, Not but, surprised, but right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the time it, we were working with um, 
Fashion Week Minnesota, and we had a really difficult time uh, casting people of color. And so we ended up just casting our own. Uh, um, at, to clarify, at that time, it was um, Minnesota fashion, not fashion. Oh, sorry. Minnesota. Sorry. They're two different entities, but they are very similar names. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so we ended up uh, just doing a casting call on our own and we're able to find people of models of color and models of different shapes and sizes although at, for that show it was still pretty standard model sizes but as we've grown and um as the community has grown uh we've tried to um generate representation for models of all sizes and um I think we've been pretty successful. There's obviously always opportunities and uh, um, for us to strive for to do better and to represent more. Um, mm -hmm. But I think we've definitely made some headway as far as yeah. like, I think like through our personal, like through the Templest Tom brand, there's definitely like areas where we can do better and, and you know, be better. Um, but we're like how we started was like these small steps. Um, I would say like our brand is very it's it's a little bit more commercial in in the way that we promote it. Um, so just because like we've we've had you know a little bit like of a like a higher level exposure, and so we were trying to play on those. Um, play within those boundaries. Um, but Black Hearts Ball is like an extension of us and of our brand where we have taken that like knowledge and opportunity and said like, hey, it doesn't have to just be us. You know, like we might not be the ones that like are best suited to like design for, you know, these specific body types. So we've either like sought out designers that do like do more full figured models or you know have a specific like idea or very like androgynous you know non-binary models and so we try to give the everybody that's participating an opportunity to like say this is the type of model i want and how can we as like how can we use our clout to bring in models that are willing to take that risk you know that are willing to put themselves on display and just be like hey trust us you will be represented well you know and then let the designers do their work and be just awesome <laughs> because they are <laughs> that's why they're in the show <laughs> you know yeah that brings me to um a question about the origins of of Black Hearts Ball, like how did it how did it start and why, and then how did opera become a part of Black Hearts Ball? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll start with just like the ideation of Black Hearts Ball. One it, thing I want to say real quick, just blanket statement, is as far as Black Hearts Ball is concerned, Black Hearts Ball is our tv tray pulling up to the end of the table <laughs> <laughs> we, it definitely was a disruptor when we created it 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it was something that Tom and I were just tired. Um, before that, before Black Hearts Ball came into an existence and before we really started getting like, our own notoriety, you would be asked to participate, designers would be asked to participate in a show, but had to like design a whole new collection for this theme or for whatever the event producer was doing. And so we were investing so much money into something that was going to be promoted for a very limited moment. You know, we'd have pretty much zero return on it. Yeah, we didn't get paid. We didn't get, we actually had to pay in some cases to Mm -hmm. to be a part of it or like pay an application fee just to get turned down, Mm -hmm. you know? And so we just decided like, you know what, we have enough people that want to do something different or we've heard from enough people that want to do something different that we could fill a room, you know? And we just asked our favorite um, local designers at that time that we were inspired by and also intimidated by that were like, (laughs) do you guys want to do a show with us? This is our idea. And it was started out as like away from all of the fashion week, um, chaos and just this is our answer to to if you're single on uh during valentine's day season (laughs) come to this really cool thing come alone we are encouraging like buying single tickets um because we just wanted to create something that's just that's just nice (laughs) that's just nice it's such a cruel time of year that's just a nice thing to do we wanted it to be a fun event we wanted it to be something different but we really wanted it to be accessible and we thought okay when when fashion when is fashion week not happening when's Mm -hmm. like a good dead period and uh in minnesota the it's the winter yeah there's not a lot happening in february in the middle of february so (laughs) and then also like it was just like we needed like there was this call for for culture and this just for something different like i love yeah some dance music i love techno i love you know edm but we just needed something that was like gonna like satiate our our need for <laughs> culture and we noticed that our fans or i shouldn't say our fans but like the people that followed us from show to show um we noticed that like our following was kind of wanting something else a little bit more mature mm-hmm. and we having the experiences we had through opera noticed that there's there wasn't a lot of young people going to the opera there wasn't a lot of um there wasn't a lot of attention uh, um or attraction from the opera to younger people and yeah. so we wanted to do something that would sort of a engage our audience and then b you know just sort of give them a new experience and give them a uh, op- uh outlet to something a little bit more artistic and cultural yeah. and so when we like when we really like decided like this is what we're doing when we approach the designers like okay so you don't get to select your own music. <laughs> um, and if like, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna ask these classical 
musicians to provide us music and then you'll select from that um we also were like you can tell your own story but it'll be through the movement on the runway and your collection it's not going to be anything that's scripted or acted out it's just going to be how you know how you want to tell your story through imagery mm-hmm. and it really like the first one was so moving and so captivating that we're like and we we had to stop selling tickets at 500 um yeah it home. just created so much it, or i shouldn't say so much but enough buzz where people were like i need to see this i need to know what's going on and we just did we literally ran out of room we had mm-hmm. standing room only there wasn't even been wow. room for the chairs that we had um and so <laughs> it was a very packed house but it just it was great once the lights came on and the first uh models started walking down the runway to this it well it was like violin um oh shoot i can't remember each well it was a very orchestral like uh movement with the first one and so everyone was just quiet you could hear a pin drop you Mm -hmm. could just see everyone soaking in this new experience and Mm -hmm. we're like we have to do this again yeah and it was Mm -hmm. it was great because like during the transitions from like one designer to the next there was like clamoring and like discussion but it was kind of like was that just like an opening thing or is this what it's going to be like kind of thing? And it was just great. And so when we did the next one, there was all of this hype and, you know, we decided ourselves that we needed to like continue to keep it polished and continue to raise the bar. And now that's what we have with like, you know, our seventh black hearts ball coming up. Um, It'll be our ninth year at like, producing black hearts ball wow wow yeah. congratulations. congratulations that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> we're really excited yeah and we're really excited to work with evan opera because it's it just sort of get it, it lends um a little bit more legitimacy to the art artistic um the artistic realm of the show you know yeah. it i would I'm sorry to like answer your page your question like how did how did opera kind of become a part of it oh, um that was always like kind of, that was our first draw that was our first call but we had we didn't know any operas or any excuse me any operas any opera singers we didn't know like we had, we had no connection to that world um and so we we're trying to like drill our brains like we we even reached out to like schools to be like, is there anybody like going to school for opera? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> it didn't really have much. I think it was like because we weren't as well known in that community, people were like, mm, sorry, we're not gonna, <laughs> you know, like, we don't know what kind of event you're producing. So, like, they weren't gonna lend their credibility to us. <laughs> and then um, after the first event, that's when we started reaching out to Minnesota Opera, like, to be like, hey, we have this idea we would really like to participate or like to partner with you. Mm-hmm. But again, I think we were still really needed to like 
raise our clout in that in that world but um it was we had like really awesome like volunteers that saw it and saw what we were trying to do and they mm-hmm. lent their their credibility to us and really elevated it to the next level and then i believe our i you might want to fact check me here i <laughs> believe our like third event or fourth event was when we got to like work with um minnesota opera and their singers and it was like awesome yeah like to me that was like a lifetime goal as soon as we went to the opera that was like i need to be able to work with some like with this music that's awesome it yeah Yeah. having been to (laughs) a black hearts ball now um yeah, it was it was definitely kind of that reaction that you described of people being super engaged and you could hear a pin drop. It was just perfect because it just matched the I don't know, the drama, the dramatic effect, the mm-hmm. I, I don't know, that word elevate is is perfect because everyone was really just transfixed by the environment created when you're not only looking at the beautiful clothing, the beautiful pieces passing by, but than the music to to match and I have to say also the last time we worked together um being able to have the singer like really work with you all was was great and having t- like a repertoire to choose from but last time also the singers were dressed Tim and Tom yeah. <laughs> provided something for them to wear and that for the singers they were like I've never gotten to do anything like this before oh and God, that's so one cool. of the coolest <laughs> Because, like, that makes me think of like 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 it's exactly like what you're saying Paige like like drama like it's just yeah. oh it just feels so like epic I I have not had the pleasure yet of going to a Black Arts Ball I definitely want to this year but it's just it like the drama and the grandeur and the excitement oh it just sounds like ooh well, that's kind of just like I think kind of that's how like we are whenever we think of like a collection or any piece of art that we like are approaching is like, ooh, you know, there's this whole like history behind this, this whole story that we want to create. Um, and Black Arts Ball just gets to be this like full, that's our baby. That's like, we have taken this from like idea and it's 100% ours. Nobody else owns it. You know, nobody else can take, uh, take it away from us really. Um, and it's just like it's our creative nugget realized at its fullest potential and um, it's only as a result of like partnering with creatives from all over <laughs> like all across the creative yeah all across the board um, uh, we, we really have taken the opportunity with Black Hearts Ball to work with amazing hair and makeup teams, amazing models. Mm-hmm. Um, even when it goes comes to backstage, working with the team at Aria has been such a blessing mm-hmm. just because they really know how to communicate with us, um, how to work with us. And we've been able to, you know, in turn, learn how to work with them and 
trans translate that into other venues and other events that we've done. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's been really awesome that Black Hearts Ball has been sort of this like creative um, cross promotion of skills and how how to work with each other. And one thing that we also mm-hmm. like I want to express is like Black Hearts Ball is a volunteer event. Everybody that participates or that is involved with it is volunteering their time. Okay. And so that's not lost on us. We we are in so much gratitude, like like always. And that's like the I feel like that's like for me, it's the best part about throwing the event is just like there's so many times where I'm just like, oh my God, this person is so amazing. You know, and it's it's you you get to see it on the facade which is like the models the photographers the musicians you know the designers but then like all of the work that goes on in the back background like Mm -hmm. our assistants our organizers the i mean there's this one gal jenny um who has helped us like with multiple events like just pressing and steaming the clothes before they go on the runway and like which is a lot of work it's just like i don't know what we do without you girl you know there's (laughs) allegra who like like gave us just like this like kick in the butt is like this is how you get organized if you want to do this event this is how you get it done you know and just give us a boot camp of like being professionals even in the beginning we had people who helped us write a professional email mm-hmm. you know like it it's taken so many people to help us get to where we are not just with this show but in general and we just try to use this event specifically to sort of turn that around and give it back mm-hmm. and like like um i really want to give a huge shout out to like um mahogany plots who is just like hands down if you haven't met her or worked <laughs> with her you need to because she's just the most amazing human ever it, it started as a joke but uh we call her oracle <laughs> 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 but it's it rings so true she's really just a wealth of knowledge and inspiration and she's everyone's 100 percent like best cheerleader Mm -hmm. she but she really like she really taught us the importance of accrediting like not just the designers but like the people who did the hair and makeup you know who the photographer was that as well as our photographers like um frank uh excuse me frank escobar um alex butterfield rhea papas greg um I just forgot Greg's last name. Now I feel terrible. (laughs) (laughs) No, but she she really did. Shout out to Greg. (laughs) (laughs) But like they just made sure like, you know, you guys are doing all of these things for all of these designer for these designers and models. Like you need to remember to that we're a part of this, too. You know, they didn't have to say it to Mm -hmm. us that way, but they're like, don't forget to credit the, the photographers. Don't forget to credit you know the hair and makeup um artists and it's just like oh my god like how did we how did we forget or how did we not think of that you know um as a result inadvertently we kind of at least locally have set kind of a a bar of just like giving notoriety 
where it's due. You know, like, I feel like there was a time where nobody, um, like, tagged, and, like, they just put an image out with no tags. And now, like, you see an image, and it's mm-hmm. like, 1,200 people were a part of this photograph. <laughs> you know? I mean, don't yes. get us wrong. We messed up a lot, too. We still do, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was, it, it's something that we definitely strive for to make sure that everyone gets accounted for everyone gets um you know the applause they're due and yeah it's just a big part of the event itself yeah thank you for including that because i feel like that's something we can all learn from across the arts in in general and even performing arts like I'm, per- I'm pretty sure there's places we could do better about like naming our lighting designers oh, or naming absolutely. the, you love this part where so-and-so disappears up into the rafters. Here's the crew that does that. Here's yeah. <laughs> like- <laughs> no, I remember when I, when I first started at the opera, I was um, in the, on the communications team and it only took one time for me to upload a production photo to Instagram without the tags and have all the comments be like, tag! your singers right? <laughs> yeah. just like, yeah. oh, okay okay <laughs> my bad my bad so one question that i had um so you know black hearts ball is all about showcasing minnesota designers um and in the last 18 months you know minnesota has <laughs> been in the news I don't know if you heard, (laughs) Um, you you know, but aside from the pandemic, um, you know, we're here, you know, at the epicenter for a global movement for racial justice and um, all of that. And I'm just wondering if the last 18 months have created any sort of uh, unique challenges or opportunities for you all, you know, any sort of changes that you want to see or want to make um, in the in the wake of all of that. I think to be honest, um, we we've always been, or I should say, like change and representation has always been on the forefront of where what we want to do with Black Hearts Ball. Even if we didn't have the words for it, that's what mm-hmm. we were trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, what I'm really proud of with Black Hearts Ball and um, especially this cast that we have coming in is um, the diversity behind the designers. Not only um, is it sort of a spectrum of, you know, people of color, uh, but it's also a spectrum of creative voices. It's our, the, our cast of designers are coming from so many different points of view and have so many different perspectives on the on their designs. I think you're going to see a lot of representation there. And um, it, I, I don't want to say that uh, everything that's going on has affected or has... Um, made us make changes i think it's just really highlighted the changes that we've already been making and i think for me it just inspires me to continue um pushing forward to to keep pushing ourselves to think um to think more about inclusion and to think more about 
um, using our voice as a way to um, mm -hmm. initiate change or at least maybe inspire it. <laughs> um, I think that I, I agree um, with what Tom said, but for me on a personal level, I definitely felt that the, the events of the last 18 months have, have been both invigorating, inspiring, and really like uh, draining. Like I felt immediately, like I've, I coming out of, you know, quote unquote, coming out of um, 2020, uh, I felt really just like deflated and kind of like all of this work, all of this thing, all of these things that our communities have been doing and striving for just have been thrown away and just kind of disregarded. And to all of those who have been like called to action and have been active and fighting and doing, doing, doing for us where we can't, um, I really respect that because I just was like creatively, emotionally, was just done i like i i really felt deflated and i was just like i don't know how i can do what i do when there is so much more you know out there that needs attention that like we didn't we weren't even sure if like black hearts ball should you know come back you know without or you know or like how how can we address what's going on and then we realized like well, I realized to myself, we realized in discussion that Black Hearts Ball is something that is a safe space. You know, if we stop doing what we're do what we're doing, we don't see our community, like the fashion community, creating a space like that for others, you know? And yes, other entities are trying, but I don't believe that they're doing it out of the same will that we have done, you know? And so for that reason, I feel it's appropriate for like Black Hearts Ball to come back and, and be what it is. Um, whether or not we're going to make like a huge uh, political statement, I think the fact that we are uh, continuing to provide this space for um, creative expression is our statement you know mm -hmm. um and then where it goes from there that'll be a, the, that'll be what's most important is how we grow from after this one that's dope <laughs> <laughs> well it looks like we are getting to towards the end of our segment um we just want to thank you both so much for being here um can I ask one last question? <laughs> it's a little shady. <laughs> but Tim, Tim is Tim Gunn really as delightful as he seems on TV? Be honest. Um, yeah, like that can go to both Tom and I. Um, I will say that Tim Gunn really liked Tom's work more than he liked mine. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, there Thanks you go. <laughs> yeah, it was. That was like my one 
Oh, oh here's Mondo. Our dog. <laughs> <laughs> My dog decided to come join us. Oh, um, <laughs> baby. No, that, that was one thing that, like, throughout that whole experience just left a lasting impression on me. It was just like, Tim Gunn likes my work more than me. He's like the most sincere, genuine person you'll ever meet, I feel. Yeah, exactly how he is on TV is how he is in real life. Mm -hmm. Or at least to us, anyway. Yeah, for our limited experience, Mm -hmm. we'll say. Right. Well, I didn't mean to open up any old wounds or anything. Oh, oh no! no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Just in case I didn't say it before, uh, you can find them at uh, Tim Plus Tom on Facebook and on Instagram. And make sure you keep up with them. Like, go follow like right now because like Hearts <laughs> Ball is around the corner. Okay, oh. it'll be like tomorrow, girl, before we know it. So <laughs> February, February um, 11th is that right? <laughs> Yep, February 11th, and we're actually just now, we're getting the ball rolling on our uh, social media promotion, so it, now is the time to, to start looking for stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, cool, and all of that will be in the show notes too, so you don't have to get a pen and paper. <laughs> Copy and paste. <laughs> all right, well, thank you, thank you so much for being here. This was such a pleasure absolutely thank delightful you. thank you yeah it's great to meet you guys all of you oh and well see you again. <laughs> <laughs> all right so check out black hearts ball check out tim plus tom on facebook and insta and all those good things and we will be right back aren't they delightful <laughs> Well, just a big thank you once again to Tim Plus Tom for joining us. Um, everyone, please go check out Black Hearts Ball. Get your tickets uh, February 11th, 2022 at ARIA in Minneapolis. And that's going to do it. Um, I guess Pure Black Joy is just... Um, me being black and being able to uh, share this time with all of you every couple of weeks. Um, you know, like we all said last week, and I know I speak for Lee and Paige, um, that this has just been such a joy um, to to do for the last nine months. And by the way, if you have uh, been writing to us at the score at mnopera.org, um, it just, uh, I just learned earlier today that that has not been working. So it's fixed now. So um, if you have not heard back from us in the last like six months, um, apologies for that. Um, but now officially, um, please, you know, write in, let us know um, what you're interested, what sort of things you'd like to hear, if you have any opinions, and we'd love to read your letters um, on the air. And of course, you know, go to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe, subscribe, all of that stuff. Um, It really, really, really helps us out um, more than you know. Um, You know, a five-star rating um, on Apple Podcasts is just how their aggregation system works. I don't need to go into it, but, um, you know, it would really help us out, um, help us get the word out. And um, other than that, I guess I'm done until 2022. So, 
um, you know, whatever, um, you know, celebration uh, you observe this this season, um, I hope that it is a happy and healthy one and that um, 2022, <laughs> oh, Lord, I mean, if it's anything like the last couple of years, okay, you know what? I'm not going to do that. 2022 is going to be awesome. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. Um, and uh, I wish you all a happy new year. And we will see you in January. All right. Bye, Square Keepers. Love you. With, with, with.